Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week's question is about sexy mood swings. It says, Hi, Jessica. Today, I finally cracked and had a tearful confrontation with my partner about how our intimacy has been drastically lacking. I know a pandemic doesn't allow for the sexiest of feelings, but I struggle with sex as validation, and I hate how it eats away at my confidence. My partner reassures me all the time how much they love and care for me and that work and life-related stress is the cause of this. Although we show consistent PDA through other forms of touch and open combos, I'm fearful I'll be waiting forever. How can I better move through the situation and have patience for them? Thanks for all that you do. Sincerely, my panties in a twist. And she was born on September 2nd, 1992 at 6.05 a.m. in Seattle, Washington. So this is a really important question. And I want to just acknowledge that it's not exactly clear from this question if you are not having any sex with your partner or if you're not having as much sex as you would prefer. And that is an important difference. But let's just start here. A pandemic is not great for most people's sex lives. Some people have been feeling randy all panorama long, but a lot of people are just so overwhelmed by stress that yes, a lot of couples are having a hard time. And in particular, a lot of couples are having a hard time with sex. And so this is, you know, a really fair and normal problem to have. Let's just start with that. It's also totally fair for you to want to have more sex than you're having and to miss having sex with your partner and even to relate to sex as a form of validation within your partnership. I mean, that might not be the healthiest and wisest impulse in the world, but it's a totally fair one and it's not an uncommon one. So let me talk about your birth chart. But before I do, I want to say this. In a partnership, in a relationship that is, you know, on the path to long term or long term, there is going to be compromise. There's going to be times where you're really feeling it and your partner's like, I'm tired, I don't want to. Or there's going to be things you want to do that your partner's not super into. There's just, you know, sex, like every other part of a relationship is going to ebb and flow. It's going to be something that requires work and adjustment. It just is. And I think a lot of us have this hope and fantasy that sex will be perfect and sex will be something that's super intuitive and not require communication and not require adjustment and effort. But that's not really true for most partnerships of most people across the globe. So there is that to say. When we're talking about sex in a relationship or outside of a relationship, there needs to be consent and compatibility right? We always want to look for consent and compatibility. Part of what I'm hearing is that the two of you have compatibility when you're actually hooking up, but that you maybe don't have compatibility around the frequency that you want it and your availability for it, right? So there's a lack of compatibility there. The question that only the two of you can answer is, is this situational? Is this just what's happening now? Or is this a larger, broader question of maybe you're just somebody who needs a lot more sex or wants a lot more sex than your partner does? And is that a problem of compatibility that can be worked upon? Can compromise be reached? Or is it kind of a deal breaker? 
you know, you're not suggesting in your question that you're actually considering breaking up with them. And I'm not suggesting that you should or will or anything like that. But I am saying that it is perfectly reasonable to be in a relationship with somebody and say to yourself or to them, you know, I see that we communicate in this way and it's not super effective and I'm not sure if it's working for me. And I mean that in regards to how we communicate with our bodies as well as our words, as well as our hearts. You know, if you're in a position where you feel like you're waiting for any sex at all, and it's not something that works for you, that's a serious consideration. So therefore, it's important to look at this from two perspectives. One is the thing that you name around requiring sex for validation. And the other is what's going on in your relationship. So let's stick with the relationship for just a moment and go to your birth chart. Okay, so you have in your birth chart a Pluto moon conjunction in Scorpio and Pluto is at 20 degrees and the moon is at 23 degrees and 34 minutes of Scorpio. So here's a fun fact. Pluto has been forming a sextile, a delicious sextile, if I may say, uh, to your Pluto and moon for quite some time. And it's going to stick around. And this absolutely can incline you to feel super randy. And for you, there are indications in your birth chart of when you have the drive to hook up, it's pretty fucking driving for you. It's just like it's an insistent, serious, like, let's get this going kind of vibe. And so straight out the gate, I just want to say, like, it is kind of a bummer, right, to be in a position where you actually could really be having some fun, great sex based on who you are and where you are and your partner not exactly being available for it. And that brings us to another data point, which is your Saturn return. You, my dear, have Saturn at 13 degrees of Aquarius and it's in the sixth house, which means that your Saturn return begins in April of 2021 and that for the last two years, you've been in this period of building up to it. And the Saturn return is not inherently about sex, but it is inherently about you and the wholeness of you. And so to be in a partnership where you have to negotiate how you live together, I mean, you didn't actually name if you've like cohabitate, but how you live together, how, how it goes on a mundane level. Again, remember the sixth house is where we find mundane conditions and how you express value to each other, how you express care to each other. It's not surprising to me to hear that you are not exactly getting your needs met right now. The reason why it's not surprising is because the Saturn return will often generate conditions or situations in which we don't get our needs met so that we can better identify our needs and whether or not they are motivated by something we need to outgrow or something that's perfectly wonderful and, you know, needs to be adjusted or needs to be left the fuck alone. The Saturn return and Saturn transits in general are a time of pruning. They're a time of going into your garden, as lush or barren as it may be, and saying to yourself, are the things I've planted, planted in the right place? Am I taking care of my garden? Where can I change? What needs to be cut back? What needs to be brought to a new location? You know, this is a, a time for really taking responsibility for our nature, our actions, and our needs. And it doesn't mean you can actualize and like make everything perfect right away, but it means that self-awareness, even though it can feel like a crisis or it can feel really bad or it can feel like there's a, some sort of scarcity, those things actually compel growth. And being able to identify for your partner, I am not happy with this. This makes me feel bad. 
is a very fucking healthy thing. I'm sure it felt terrible and I'm sorry you had to go through it, but also it is a really healthy thing. And how your partner responds to your expression of your feelings and your needs is really important information as well. And that brings me to the issue of how long should you wait? How patient should you be? I would recommend that you talk to your partner about that. I would recommend sitting them down and saying, okay, I broke down. I shared my feelings with you. I'm going to now sit down with you when I'm less emotional about it, uh, if you can achieve that. And I want to just say, I've expressed to you my feelings and my needs, and I want to do a better job right now of listening to your feelings and needs. And then I want to sit down on, on you know, tomorrow or in a week or whatever feels right. And I want us to talk about what our intentions are and what our plan is. Because while one cannot plan sex in a relationship, very, I mean, some people do. I don't exactly recommend it. What you can do is say, listen, I can be patient, but I need to have a sense of like, you're working on this. And if you tell me you're not able or willing to work on this now, I need you to give me some sort of guidelines, some sort of boundaries around okay, for how long are you going to not work on this? Because your partner has a right to not be in a sexual place, to not really want to hook up for whatever reasons. They absolutely have that right. And also, you have the right to not be cool with it. You have the right to not be happy with it. And so there needs to be some measure of consent between the two of you so that you can kind of figure out, okay, well, if they're saying to me, give me, you know, give me through the summer, give me three more months of really just kind of like being in my head and dealing with my own shit. And then I want to really reignite the passion. And we're going to like start doing dates, and we're going to start being really intentional. And then the three months passes, and they don't follow through with their word. They don't make an effort. Well, that's really important information. And I would say, you don't necessarily have to be very patient beyond that. There's a way that, again, we tend to be idealistic about sex and long-term relationships and imagine that we wouldn't do the same things we would do around every other part of a relationship. Communicate, negotiate, follow through, and adjust. But we have to. We have to in long-term relationships. And that brings me to this really important piece that you named of this issue, which is that you struggle with sex as validation, and it is a really important part of your self-confidence. So in your birth chart, you have an interception in the fifth house. And just as a hot aside, when looking at sexual issues in the birth chart, I'm not generally just looking at Mars, which is technically speaking the planet of fornication. I'm not typically looking primarily at Venus, which is technically speaking the planet of intimacy and sensual connection. So it's a lot of like touchy, feely, romantic stuff. Although I certainly look at those planets. The first place I always look is the fifth house and the eighth house. These two placements of the birth chart are where we find the playful, creative, life-affirming sex and the intense driving part of sex, which is more about like coming and kink and control. We look to the fifth house and the eighth house for the, that kind of data. I will also say a person's relationship to their self-esteem, their relationship to control and safety in the body, trauma history, all of these things are really essential to understanding the complexes that go into an individual's experience of sex and sexuality and gender, because all of these things are a meaningful part of sex and sexual agency and sexual pleasure. So that was just a quick aside. Now back to you. 
in your birth chart, you have got Aries on the eighth house cusp. Delightful, my dear. What this means is many things, including but not limited to, you like frequent sex. You don't necessarily need it to last forever, but you know, you like to get in there and get something done. I respect that. Now, here's the other thing. This is an important one. You have an interception in your fifth house, and that interception is in Capricorn, and you have two intercept planets conjoined to each other in the fifth house. That's Uranus and Neptune. And so for you, sex is an expression of love, but it's not just an expression of love. It's an expression of spiritual connection, a sense of giving yourself up to someone else in a way that is that transcends the physical. It's actually really deeply emo and spiritual for you. And because these two planets, Uranus and Neptune in Capricorn, are intercept in the fifth and they're right there in the middle, like they're smack dab in the middle of that house, your sense of agency and self-awareness around your need for validation, your drive for validation, can kind of feel restless, kind of like a big cat pacing a cage. (laughs) So for you, there's this kind of need and desire for sexual variety, sexual closeness. And it kind of feels like a reflection of your worth or value because Capricorn can be very transactional, can be very barter oriented. You like me, you love me, we hook up. Obvi is kind of the vibe here. Also, you have Venus in the first house. What a lovely placement. We love Venus in the first house. But I will say, outside of an out of sign trine to your midheaven, it's unaspected. And when Venus is unaspected, especially when it's in an angular house, and I didn't mention, but should, it's in the sign of Libra. It can make us particularly fond or reliant on validation from others in the form of compliments and attention. And I will say to you what I've said on the podcast before, attention is not love. Love is love, and attention is attention. And I'm not saying that attention isn't a part of love, but you're actually expressing in your question that your partner does give you attention and is loving towards you. But there's a way that that Venus placement, when it is unaspected, Venus and Libra in general, or Venus in the first house in general, can become particularly attached to uh, compliments and attention and feeling desired and having that feel activated. And so that's not a bad thing. That doesn't need to change. The thing that I think gets in your way is simply when you are attached to what kind of attention you need in order for it to be valid or validating of your sexuality or your your presence in someone's life. So when the issue is not rooted in something kind of deeper, when it's just, you know, like you said, stress, life, habit, that kind of stuff, getting in the way of sex, I'm going to give you a piece of advice that I think can really be helpful because you're a person who wants to have more sex with your partner. It's to change up the definition of sex. To talk to your partner about whether or not it would be helpful to them if you took intercourse or certain sexual acts off the table for a period of time so that if they did hook up with you more, if they did do certain sexual things with you more, there wouldn't feel like there was a pressure associated with it for things to go all the way. Because when people are really stressed, it can be very hard for them to access their bodies, right? And to prioritize the amount of emotional and physical and interpersonal energy that sex actually can require. So if you limit the menu, might your partner nibble a little more frequently? 
And could you build up a sexual life with your partner over the course of several months that is maybe not as satisfying as you want it to be at this time, but builds up trust and actually starts to develop different sexual habits between the two of you? Now, this might not work, but it's certainly worth talking to your partner about. There's such an important value in talking to your partner about sex. That said, and this is so important, my dear, when we bring guilt or shame into sexual conversations, they don't tend to be very effective. And so it's really important to give yourself permission to have your feelings and to share your, your needs and to allow them that same freedom without pressure or judgment. Good luck. And I hope you and your partner have a lot of fun and a lot of love for a long time to come. Compassion in Oakland was formed in response to the surge of anti-Asian attacks in California's Bay Area. It started with a simple social media post offering to chaperone anyone within Oakland's Chinatown neighborhood to help them feel safer. Since then, over 400 volunteers of all different backgrounds have come forward from across the Bay Area to stand against AAPI hate. Thus was born the movement for the community to come together to support and protect our Asian elders. Compassion in Oakland is now looking for volunteers to serve in several different roles. Check out their website to donate, learn more about volunteering, or start a Compassion Project in your own area. Go to CompassionInOakland.org, link in show notes. My loves, my loves, let's get astrological. But before we do, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that in the past couple of weeks, we have had mass shootings in Chicago and Atlanta and Virginia Beach and in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, the, the violence in the United States is just, it's horrifying. It is deeply horrifying. And whether or not you have been thinking much about these mass shootings, if you are in the U.S. or if you're not, but especially if you're in the U.S., you are likely to be impacted Every aspect of this is just really terrible. I don't have anything super intelligent to say. I just wanted to acknowledge it, that that we are in the U.S. back to this breakneck pace of mass shootings and just tragic, horrible gun violence. And if you haven't already called your elected officials to let them know what you feel about gun control in this country, uh, yeah, sure, not a bad idea. And if you have elected officials that you feel like are doing a good job, not a bad idea to pop them an email or leave them a call letting them know. It's nice to do such a thing. Uh, and if you are impacted directly or indirectly by these tragedies, I just want to I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the inhumanity of it all. You know, it's really awful. Whether or not you've been thinking about this uh, terribly much, you know, I, I want to acknowledge that I have seen for so many people uh, for the past several weeks, just an intensifying of grief and emotionality, just a lot of intense feelings and activated around the world. And, you know, these things are all interconnected. So if you're deep in your feelings, there's a value in looking into why. Absolutely. But don't do that to the exclusion of supporting yourself of, okay, so I'm in my feelings. How can I support myself? What do I need right now? Sometimes getting yourself 
to a place where, I don't know, you've eaten the right kind of foods, drank enough water, and can sit alone in a room is, is kind of what your system needs to reveal to you what's actually going on. So sometimes rushing to an answer is a really wise move, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes what we need in the face of emotionality is nurturance. And I want to invite you to choose it if that feels like the right choice for you. Okay. Now, this week we are looking at the astrology for March 28th through April the 3rd of 2021. Welcome, April. Uh, I guess I guess the seasons keep on ticking. This is something that's just happening in the world. We are going to look first and foremost at the full moon on March 28th, exact at 11.48 a.m. Pacific time. And I will remind you that a full moon occurs when the sun and moon are exactly opposite each other. And generally speaking, there's one full moon per zodiac sign per year. So each of them are really meaningful transitions. And they're openings as much as they are closing. Full moon is the end of a cycle, which means it's also the beginning of a cycle. And when we look at the tension between the zodiac signs involved, the sun is in Aries, the moon is in Libra. We see the tension between me and us. And when we explore the tension between me and us, what we're talking about is both relationships, so interpersonal relationships, classic Libra moon shit. Also, we're talking about this on a broader scale. You know, it's like individuality versus compromise. These themes are likely to be activated around the full moon on March 28th, exactly 11.48 a.m. This full moon, there's a lot to talk about here. We have a Sun-Chiron-Venus conjunction. So technically speaking, the Sun is exact to Chiron on the 29th at 1.09 a.m. Venus is conjunct to Chiron on the 28th at 9.28 a.m. There's like a day's difference or not quite a day's difference between these transits being exact, but for all intents and purposes, we got a Sun, Chiron, Venus conjunction in Aries forming an opposition to the Moon, which means the Moon is also opposite Chiron and Venus. And this absolutely is likely to manifest in one of a couple of ways. The first and kind of lowest hanging fruit is talking about intimacy, relationship, and romance. The Sun-Chiron-Venus conjunction in Aries is an opportunity for us to become connected to, present with, and aware of our relationship patterns, our need for love, the ways in which we may be self-sabotaging, what we love, our relationships, or something of ourselves. Whenever Chiron is involved, we have the opportunity to really transform something. But Chiron, not unlike some of the other outer planets, Although Chiron is technically an asteroid, not an outer planet, what Chiron does is it brings this catharsis. And catharsis can be very satisfying, but it's not always very easy. It's not typically completely pain-free. And Venus, plus the moon and Libra, prefer the path of least resistance. And so there's tension here. The tension between being digestible to others being easy for other people to receive or, you know, not being too intense, framing things in a softened way. All of this stuff is going to be a point of tension at this time. 
So interpersonally, that might look like you and a roommate, you and a partner, you and a parent, you and a coworker, whatever it is, somebody who you have a one-on-one close dynamic with because of the moon being in Libra, because of Venus's presence. There may be a sense of tension between a pattern that has been long developing that you've consented to, and that's an important part. This full moon is likely to highlight something that you have been actively participating in. Even if on the inside, you're like, I don't want to do this. This isn't right for me. It's likely to be highlighting a dynamic that you have been participating in or consenting to in some meaningful way. And now this full moon is a time where you become aware of or alerted to how it's simply not working for you. And that may come paired with a vision of how you can change it, and it may not. But awareness is always the first step to transformation. And not all things need to be transformed. Not all things can be transformed quickly or easily. But this full moon certainly points to a need for a transformation or a catharsis. And that might be felt as a major earthquake or a slight shift in weather. You know, it might be very dramatic and it might be pretty subtle. But be on the lookout for these themes. The ways in which we engage with diplomacy, the ways in which we, you know, meet other people in the middle or compromise are so important. And it's an art. You know, it really is an art. Literally, Venus and Libra govern diplomacy, art, and compromise. Literally. And so when we're talking about the need for compromise, the key is to not compromise your authenticity, to not compromise in ways that compromise you or your integrity. And to do so in a way that respects other people's integrity and authenticity, right? Because there's so much Aries energy here. Let's be real. There is a need for you to embrace yourself. But that's true for everyone. So while you're coming into this like catharsis and self-awareness around diplomacy and compromise, so are the people you're close to. So are your roommates and your coworkers and your partner and your mom. And so there is likely to be real tension here. So in a really healthy relationship, that tension and that catharsis can be beautiful and not much more than like a little bit of a bumpy road. But in relationships where there are not shared ideas of what mutual respect looks like or when there's not compatibility or where there's simply more work to be done, this can be a pretty upsetting moment. Instead of resisting those upsets or rushing to fix problems you don't fully understand, I encourage you to be brave enough to be strong enough, to stay present. That's kind of it. I mean, that's not kind of it, but but also it is. You know, I want to really remind you that complicated doesn't mean deep. Simple doesn't mean less than. And it's really important to understand that this is a moment, this full moon is a moment for us to get really present. And if you find yourself making things really complicated, ask yourself, am I doing this to distance myself from my feels? Or am I doing this because it is complicated and I'm investigating the nuance? There's not an either or answer. It's just something for you to really consider. If you've been making yourself small for others, you know, if you've been requiring or demanding that others stay small for you, that's going to be a point of struggle. Whenever we're dealing with this kind of energy, there's an opportunity to develop greater ownership of your issues. And a meaningful part of that is about developing the willingness to allow others to have their own ownership of their own issues without making it about you, without judging them, or, you know, kind of really inserting yourself at all. We all get to have our own truth, and then we meet in the middle, hopefully, 
you know. So that's happening, but that's not all. We also have a Neptune Mercury conjunction. Now, this transit will be exact on the 29th, and you'll certainly be feeling it all damn week. But this full moon chart has a Mercury Neptune conjunction, which tells us a couple of things. One is it reiterates the need for boundaries. And what are boundaries, right? Boundaries are clarity that we embody and express that comes from sitting with yourself, knowing yourself, and accepting yourself. Generally speaking, the Mercury-Neptune conjunction will inspire anxiety. And so unfortunately, because this transit in the full moon chart inspires anxiety, there is a tendency that we can expect to experience within ourselves or from others of distancing ourselves from things we don't understand or that are frightening. And so much of this, this full moon in Libra feeling is, it is intimidating. It is frightening, not necessarily because it's the worst thing in the world, but because it's challenging and it's challenging something that you don't like to be challenging around. So Neptune-Mercury conjunction in Pisces, this opportunity for actively engaging with anxiety in a way that's healthy and self-appropriate. And that might mean this full moon, you decide to limit your social media engagement. It might mean you don't talk to your friend who kind of like chips away at your self-esteem. It might mean that you really make sure that you like stretch, you know, you just like do the simple self-care stuff that you know works for you when you're feeling off or out of sorts. This transit might make you feel sleepy. Now, all that Aries energy is not sleepy at all, but Neptune Mercury is pretty sleepy or easily fatigued. And so pay attention to that. As you know, the pandemic is far from over. So make sure you are washing your sweet little paws and double masking it and not acting a damn fool. Neptune and Mercury meeting in Pisces is definitely not a time for taking risks with an airborne virus. And then if we look at all this stuff from a more social-minded perspective, let me give you a little sense of what it's likely to look like. It is very possible that we're going to see evidence of toxic individualism, a kind of aggressive or deeply defensive form of self-advocacy that is really more about I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want than it is about considering the needs of all people and being compromising, being diplomatic. When you add the Neptune-Mercury conjunction and the anxiety that it provokes, people tend to act a fool when they're really anxious. Unfortunately, that's just real. So I want to acknowledge that we may see some pretty upsetting stuff in the collective. When we look at this from a perspective of legislature or like things happening in the government, things happening in big companies that have a lot of power over the people, we may see evidence of massive greed, just massive greed. Because when we deal with Venus, one of the implications of it is around values, right? And so when we're looking at this full moon with Venus's uh, presence in it, we can see evidence of the ways in which our systems, laws, companies, society, whatever it is, do not reflect the value and dignity that is inherent to all of us. Instead, it reflects a bunch of bullshit. Plus some nice things, of course, but a bunch of bullshit. There may be something that uh, progresses 
for better or worse, around these themes through this period of the full moon. And there may be something you feel called to do. There may be a way for you to be involved and activated around that, and there may not. But we want to understand that whether we're dealing with Aryan entitlement, and I didn't mean that like white supremacy, although it absolutely attracts, that works, but I mean like Aries-like entitlement, and Neptunian or Piscean anxiety or fear is a really bad combination on a social or global stage. Because entitlement and individualism plus anxiety and fear can create some really unwise reactions and defenses. So pick your battles wisely. Don't drop your energy into an empty pool. You know what I mean? Like you get to make decisions about what is healthy and wise for you to engage in. And there's great wisdom in determining what is worth your energy and what is not, where you feel you can make a difference and where you cannot. Now, one last thing, which is this Mars North Node conjunction that is occurring. There's so much to say about it, but I will, in the context of this full moon chart, say two things. The first is on a social level, sticking with that theme, you know, this can be an increase in violence, uh, continued exploration of maleness and masculinity, toxic and otherwise, uh, in society, also within ourselves. Mars is associated with individuality in, you know, is one of the planets associated with individuality, with assertion and aggression and violence. And it's also motivation and activation. And so we may feel in the collective an urgency and a shift, and that can be really wonderful or really terrible. I mean, TBD depends on the situation, depends on the moment. Now, on a personal level, the potential here is for being able to cultivate meaningful self-awareness that you mobilize from. So again, Mars is the ruling planet to the sign of Aries, right? So wonderful reiteration. We can develop an awareness that we can mobilize from. And that awareness can embolden us to compromise in more graceful and generous ways. Not in more ways, but in more graceful and generous ways. That's a beautiful fucking thing. Being able to be diplomatic without sacrificing yourself, without sacrificing others, without stomping on other people's needs and rights, that is a beautiful fucking thing. And again, it is an art. So that is my little hot take for you on the full moon on the 28th of March. Now, I, I want to mention something which I didn't mention before, but I don't know if you remember, but last week in the horoscope, I named for you that on the 25th, the sun met Venus in Aries. It was conjunct, right? And I actually noticed just this past week, which I should have noticed sooner, that Venus will stay really close to the sun until April 6th, I think within a three degree orb. And so the potential here for uh, greater diplomacy, being more tender and romantic is present. This is good for arts and creativity, anything from like moving things around in your bedroom to making something to appreciating music, like making make a good mixtape. Who doesn't want a fucking mixtape? Sun Venus conjunction. That's all I'm trying to say. So this is a beautiful thing. On the negative, it can incline us to be accommodating instead of authentic. And so I want to just bookmark that for you embrace the arts, tap into a little bit of hedonism, enjoy it. And then also make sure 
that you are not being accommodating in moments that actually are requiring you to show up and be authentic. Okay, now we move on to the 30th because I want to just reiterate on the 29th, the sun is conjunct Chiron and Mercury is conjunct Neptune, but we cover that within the full moon chart. On the 30th, we have a sextile between Venus and Saturn. And because of the proximity of the sun and Venus, on the 31st, we have an exact sun sextile to Saturn. Let me give you the details. Okay, so a Venus sextile to Saturn is a beautiful transit IMO. Just beautiful. This is an opportunity for you to stabilize your value system. It strengthens your willingness and ability to look at what it is that you truly care about and to reflect on whether or not you are actively investing in those things, right? So whether we're talking about this in terms of your finances or in terms of your personal relationships or just simply are you living in accordance with your values, Venus sextile to Saturn is an easier time to pivot, to become self-aware, and to make adjustments than square conjunction or opposition would be. However, it's less compelling. So if you know you need to look at this shit in any part of your life, this is a great time to do it. Basically, the last uh, bits of March through the first several days of April. Venus sextile to Saturn on a slightly more interpersonal level is just a great time for letting people know that you care about them. And that might mean, you know, showering emojis upon your beloveds. And it might mean actually like performing acts of care, like, you know, modeling your investment in people, helping someone out, listening to them instead of telling your story, or actually opening up finally and sharing something that's authentic. It could look a million different ways. But I want to encourage you to really consider this week and especially on and around the 30th, what is it that is authentic? How can you show up? How can you actively embody what you care about? How can you take responsibility for your relationships actively? This can be applied to taking responsibility for your finances. This can be applied to taking responsibility for your skincare routine. Yeah, I said it. You didn't see it coming. But guess what? Venus governs your complexion and Saturn governs your epidermis. And so this is actually a great time for, you know, finally doing that little mask that you've been meaning to do in your home spa, aka your bathroom. This might be a really great time to just, you know, stop picking on your fucking face. Yeah, I see you. So yeah, this is a great time for dealing with your skin, actually. Now on the 31st, the sun forms a sextile to Saturn. This is similarly a really great time because we have another sextile to Saturn. This is a really great time for stabilizing. Instead of it being around Venusian themes, we're looking at solar themes, the themes of identity, your will, and how you orient yourself from within yourself. You know, if you've ever seen the glyph for the sun in astrology, it's a circle with a dot in the center. It's pretty fucking simple as far as glyphs go. The solar glyph is a really, it's one of the more communicative ones because your will, your sense of self, it is your center. So when we look at the glyph for the sun, we want to focus on the dot in the middle. We want to align with the dot in the middle, right? And that looks like this week with this transit, taking responsibility because it's fucking Saturn, taking responsibility for how we orient ourselves, whether or not we're doing it from our center. 
it is really hard to act in integrity. It is really hard to show up with others, for others, for any kind of cause or whatever it is when you're not able to access yourself, when you're not being true to yourself. So this is a great time to, again, make adjustments, creative adjustments, no matter how subtle or dramatic, so that you can show up more fully. And then finally, the last transit that I'm going to name of the week occurs on April 1st, 2021, and it's a Mercury sextile to Pluto. So again, we have a very sextile heavy week. Mercury sextile to Pluto is an excellent transit for figuring things out. I invite you to be curious. I invite you to be inquisitive. I invite you to have conversations that are maybe a little sticky or tricky, you know? Mercury sextile to Pluto is not especially vulnerable, but it is a great time to have vulnerable oriented conversations, especially if things got stirred up around the full moon on the 28th. Whenever Mercury and Pluto meet by transit, we are more concerned with deep issues, with intense issues, with issues of transformation or taboo topics. When we have a sextile or a trine uniting Mercury and Pluto by transit, it's easier. You know, there's nothing pressuring you. It's not necessarily drama. Or if there was drama, you can gain greater clarity and value from that drama. When Mercury and Pluto meet, we have the opportunity to achieve deeper understanding. And who doesn't need a little deeper understanding? If you have to deal with your taxes, you know, if you have to deal with like looking back at your finances of 2020, this is actually a really good transit for doing that. Pluto's good for research. And in particular, Pluto-Mercury transits, or natal aspects as it were, are really good for just going deep into something, you know, so that can in this context look like looking at your taxes or whatever it is. So Mercury sextile to Pluto, one last thing, because it's such a great transit for communication, it's also a great transit for listening. Depending on who you are or where you're at, you may need to actually hear something that someone is telling you. And the telling may be with their actions. It may be with their words, and it may be with their inability to listen. All of these things are worth you showing up and listening to, paying attention to. Ya capiche? Okay, now let me run through these transits because there was a fair amount this week. On the 28th of March at 11.48 a.m. Pacific, we have a full moon between the sun in Aries and the moon in Libra. On the 28th, we also have an exact conjunction between Venus and Chiron. On the 29th, we have two transits that are exact. The sun is conjunct to Chiron and Mercury is conjunct to Neptune. On the 30th of March, we have a Venus sextile to Saturn and on the 31st, a sun sextile to Saturn. And then finally, on the 1st of April, Mercury forms a sextile to Pluto. That's it. That just happened. That's your whole week. That's your whole week's horoscope. And I have an announcement to make. I didn't drop a midweek episode this past week because I'm taking a little pause. You know, I started to do the midweek episodes uh, in response to COVID. I've really enjoyed doing them. And we've just recently crossed the one-year anniversary of the two episodes per week, and mama needs a break. So I love doing them. I love having a little little midweek check-in, and I also really love having a space to do more focused astrology lessons. So if you have astrology hot take questions that are not time sensitive, still feel free to send them my way at ghostofapodcast.com, not on social media. 
but it goes to a podcast.com. And if I get inspired, I might just throw down a midweek episode here and there. But I'm at this moment going to just take a little pause and do this thing that I'm always encouraging people to do, which I'm not always the greatest at doing, which is this thing called self-care. Have you heard of it? Oh, yes, I feel you have. But if you are just like, wait a minute, I cannot live with only one podcast episode a week. That is not good or fun for me. Well, don't worry, because I'm over on Patreon all the live long day. Join me over there, patreon.com slash Jessica Lignato. And, you know, we'll get into some shit as I like to do. Follow me on social, whatevs, all the things. I want to thank you for joining me for using astrology to live as authentically and honestly as possible, but also for using astrology as a tool for understanding the world we live in and our place within it. My darlings, I love you so much. It's kind of cool. It's kind of exciting. We're, do- we're doing some good stuff here. I think we're, we're, we're putting in some good efforts. That's where it all begins. All right, my loves, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Every year they say the end is near.